Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right. Welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate y'all being here. Wherever you're listening today, we're live on WYSL until 1 p.m. So give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Also live online, too, on the Kevin Wilson Facebook page, A Free Solution Facebook page, A Free Solution YouTube channel, and the Free Solution group. Uh, shout out down the line to our friends listening over at WACK out in Newark and our podcast listeners as well. Wherever you listen today, appreciate y'all being here. Appreciate y'all joining us. It's a pleasure to be able to chat with you every day. I'm just grateful. It's a new year. It's a good time. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, happy to be doing this for for uh, for this year as well. Uh, so couple things we want to talk about today, right? We'll talk about some, like, national politics stuff, uh, a few things going on um, in some other states. Uh, as always, if you have news that you want to share, things that you want to talk about, give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or if you're listening online, make sure you leave that comment as well, and we'll be happy to uh, to talk about that. Uh, but the, the one thing that I want to talk about is just something that happened to me, right? And, and, I, and I say this... Uh, because it's something that I've heard from other parents too, and I've sort of talked about this stuff before. Like be- being, you know, a-, a parent in in the age of COVID provides some unique challenges that we haven't had to, to face in a little bit. And and I'll tell you the story that happened to, to me and my family, and how that's something that's making average people lose faith in the ability of the public health system to address the challenges of COVID in a way that is meaningful and in a way that fosters uh, trust and compliance, right? Like, again, if 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 I am someone who, who believes in public health, now I'll take it at good faith. There's, I'm not totally against every public health initiative. You know, kind of start out with this. I, I don't mind when public health is about educating and inform, informing people. Great. Rather, they stay away from the coercive measures. But, you know, we, we got this, uh, this system of contact tracing and quarantining um, in New York. And for some folks that the decisions that they make have an actual impact over their lives, right? If, if, uh, whether it's employers or childcare centers or public schools, whatever, are making decisions based on, uh, of whether or not you or your children can attend that institution based on the decisions of New York state contact tracers, the, the things that they go with end up having a real impact on your life. Now, in my example, uh, my, my son was once again, New York state quarantined a uh, week of Christmas It said, Nope, you're not allowed to, uh, not allowed to go out. Someone at his daycare was, was exposed to COVID. So therefore my son, you know, is not supposed to go to daycare, not supposed to uh, be out in public, whatever. And and we got a bit worried cause he, he actually, he did kind of get a fever at the time, you know, uh, turned out that it wasn't related to COVID at all, but he did spike a little fever and he had a bit of a cough, you know, uh, unrelated daycare cold seems like it was, you know, something else entirely. Right. You know, but we were a little bit worried about it. You know, we, we 
talk to a doctor and they're like, well, based on his symptoms, he doesn't seem like he has it. And then we ended up following up with our doctor last week too, because like, oh, it still seems like it's kind of lingering and like, oh, he has, he has a sinus infection, you know, big deal. Like here's the course of treatment for this, but we're going to do a, a PCR test and, and some other tests just in case to see if it is COVID or something else that we need to keep a closer eye on. Did that COVID test comes out negative. Now we're supposed to be released from quarantine. This is like day nine of quarantine. We're supposed to be released from it last Thursday, but we had made the mistake, you know, of being honest with the contact tracers, did, did you know, our son ever experienced symptoms during the 10-day quarantine period? And we're like, yeah, you know, he did. He, he had a fever, but, you know, we got a PCR test, and turns out that's not COVID. It wasn't COVID. Like, you know, we got that yesterday. So the, the PCR tests are super sensitive from my understanding, right? Like if he had had COVID and was symptomatic, he would have – it would have tested positive for that because usually – you know, and again, this is something administered by a doctor. This isn't like a home rapid test we did on him. This is something administered by a doctor. PCR tests are super duper sensitive, from my understanding. If he had had COVID and was symptomatic the week before, and that's what it was, it would have shown up as positive. But no, no, no. It, it, it you know showed up negative. It means very unlikely that he had it before. Extremely unlikely that now that he's not sick and the test was negative with a PCR test that it was. He's able to, to spread COVID. Doesn't seem like he ever had it in the first place. And yet, and yet, despite all that, they extended the quarantine. Because we were honest with the content. We said, oh, yeah, like, well, he, he had these things that seemed like symptoms, but negative PCR test, like, he's good. And they're like, well, we're going to extend it just in case because he's symptomatic. And we're like, yeah, but it's not related to COVID. And we know that because we have a doctor with a written notice that we can send to you saying it's not COVID. And like, yeah, it doesn't matter. The rules are rules. I'm like, well, okay, this this really impacts us, though, right? Like, this impacts our ability to send our kid and and get childcare. This is something that that hurts us. Now, luckily for me and my wife, like, we have pretty cool employers, and we can either take PTO or you know we can work from home and we kind of flex our hours. It's exhausting, but like, it's possible. But for a lot of families, a decision like this, if you have to be at work in person, that's not an option for you. Suddenly you can't send your kid to childcare. It doesn't matter, you know, what the actual situation is, what the actual medical evidence is. They say, nope, doesn't matter. We're extending the quarantine. That stinks. It's for your safety. For your safety and the safety of the other kids in that childcare family. No, no, it's not at all for the safety of the kids and child. We know he doesn't have COVID. We're, we're aware of this. So now, unfortunately, you know, again, as much as I love seeing my son, it, it, be great to have childcare again. It just makes it a bit easier to, to work and go about our lives during the day. But uh, but yeah, New York State says that that's not possible. Hoping they release us soon, maybe today. Who knows? Unless they decide to be spiteful because someone hears this. <laughs> Hopefully not. My wife will kill me. But it doesn't make, make that make sense to me. How does that make sense to keep my kid in quarantine? Which again, the, the daycare has to comply with this stuff. It's not them making this, this decision, you know, based on trusting New York State. It's it's you know, it's one of those things where you know they're regulated by state agencies, so you know they they have to uh, to follow what those rules are. So if the contact tracer says he's in quarantine, then he's in quarantine. Can't show up. Doesn't matter what the doctors say. Doesn't matter what the testing says. Rules are rules. And we actually had a contact tracer tell us like. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't trust the doctors. Like, it doesn't matter if they have evidence of a negative PCR test. These are our rules, and it's situations like this where the decisions feel arbitrary, 
not connected to any actual evidence, not connected to the opinions of real live medical experts, where you start to wonder, what is all of this for? Is it keeping us safe? It, it feels like compliance for the sake of compliance. Again, I, I'm not someone who's been a diehard against some of this stuff. I actually think there is some useful things that come with contact tracing, like just being informed, like, hey, you're at a convention where, you know, someone was sick and you might want to go get tested yourself because, you know, if you're showing symptoms, you know, having that sort of information in a pandemic can be useful. However, you know, a situation like this where this is affecting our ability to go about our lives, that's a serious thing. And again, for us, I'm going to be fine. But for other families, losing childcare for two weeks at a time and then having that extended for a few more days, a week, I don't know. I have no idea when this is going to end. It can be devastating. It can be jeopardizing your job. And you have to, you can look at situations where there are a lot of women dropping out of the workforce right now. And this is part of the reason why. Because you're not able to have your kids in school. And again, especially for a young kid, my, my kid's only 10 months old. You know, it's not like I can stick him in the room, uh, give him a, a PlayStation and, and let him, you know, hang out for the day. He's not old enough for that. You know, I can't leave him unattended. He has to be attended to all day. There has to be someone with him. So for parents who are in situations like mine, this can threaten their livelihood. You know, threaten a, a day's, uh, several days' pay if you're in the service industry, but threaten your job altogether. Again, if you're, you're just not able to go to work anymore because you have to take care of your kids, you're still paying for child care in many of these situations too. If you're lucky, you, you, know, you get a discount or whatever, but you're still paying for this. Got to hold your spot. You know, at some point in time, you're like, well, if I'm going to miss this much time anyway, I might as well just drop out. And so these policies, which may have been understandable at some point in time, need to change. They need to evolve with the new evidence that we have, and they need to be dependent upon uh, medical evidence. Again, if you have a negative PCR test, these are very sensitive tests. Why shouldn't we be able to test to get out of quarantine? It's, it's just based on, like, vaccination or prior illness. No, it's PCR tests. My goodness. Let's use some common sense here. All right, if you have any thoughts on this or if you work in public health, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back in just a few minutes here on A Free Solution. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. 
Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your today. Thank you so much for joining us on this live show. It's wonderful Monday. Give us a call if you want to participate in the discussion. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or i got a number scrolling on the bottom of the screen. Uh, if you're watching online, you can call there, too. Uh, and again, if you're a parent, too, we'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love to hear if anyone else has experienced uh, this sort of insanity. Like, even... Yeah, like uh, w- without like the negative test type of thing, because last time my son was quarantined, we didn't bother, you know, taking uh, a test for this stuff because we're like, you know, well, he doesn't seem like you have it. We're not going to put him through that. And we're just going to ride out this quarantine. Right. But again, we, we have changes now to, uh, you know, the the CDC recommendations, um, which which haven't really been reflected in, you know, daycare and child care uh, school settings in New York State. So th- this. 10-day quarantine period still affects you if you have a kid who isn't vaccinated or can't be vaccinated. In my in my case, you know, my son's too young to be vaccinated. Even if we wanted to, you know, if we wanted to, we can't. You know, that's it's not an option for us. So we got to deal with this this 10-day quarantine. And, and what's wild about this stuff is again, the PCR tests are, from my understanding, super sensitive. Um, you know, in many ways, uh, like public health recommendations are moving away from those because the the rapid uh, antigen tests are more likely to tell you if someone is contagious right now as compared to a PCR test, which may take a couple days to process and would tell you if they may or may not have had any disease in them at all, any COVID in them at all a couple days ago, right? So not necessarily useful if, uh, for knowing whether or not you're contagious right now. Um, but what's wild about because those PCR tests are, are still, you know, so sensitive, you could test positive with one of those and still go back to work, right? You still get out of quarantine if you're you're sick because it's gonna, you know, still show up as positive for sometimes weeks after you're contagious, right? You know, that just uh just not not something for not good for telling you whether or not someone's contagious at this moment, just uh, a good confirmation of whether or not someone may or may not have the virus going through their system. Right? And because of that, again, the, the insane thing is that, like, I know people who have had COVID, who you know, were actually sick, have recovered, and would still test positive for this stuff, not able to go about their lives. But my son, who tested negative, can't go back to can't go back to daycare in this situation. And you know, I again, if any public health person is is listening to this, make this make sense for me. I, I don't totally understand you know, what's what's happening here um <laughs> because i don't get it and, you know just as a parent i'm frustrated and when i look at the like the, the arbitrariness of this situation i'm like two two things right you know uh one is like again why, why should i trust that these folks have like actual safety in mind you know because this has nothing to do with safety in this in this case and two you know not not that i would do this but like if I, i've talked to many parents who are like man why would I tell contact tracers that like my kid is symptomatic now, right? If you do that, it's going to extend, you know, their stay in quarantine, even if what they have is a daycare cold. And again, if you're, you're a parent, you, you get it. You know, <laughs> these things just happen all the time. Your, your kids are going to get sick, you know, if they're in a daycare setting because they're in close proximity to each other and they, uh, you know, they spread their germs easily, especially, you know, with, with the younger kids who aren't wearing masks. And, and, you know, so, and, and aren't washing their hands much, right? Like it, sickness is going to spread, but even in, among the older kids too. Again, I, I used to work in a childcare setting and these, uh, the, 
illnesses would, would spread through them very quickly, right? These little colds and whatnot. Um, let me get to a, a comment to, uh, you know, Jim says that someone's making a ton of money off these tests. Yeah, you know, probably. Uh, I, I think they are. You know, what, what's actually frustrating to me about the whole testing situation, to be honest, is that the FDA has slow rolled the approval of these tests. We've had this... We've had these like rapid tests like developed since like February 2020, but it took so long for those to get approval. And it took so long for public health authorities to, to kind of trust these tests. Now, like they've, they've switched and they've said, you know, actually, this is this is in some ways better. You know, something that you know we, we uh, other folks have been talking about for a long time. And if they hadn't taken so long to approve these, if they you know, would approve more of these to get going and don't go through the long laborious, ridiculous, bureaucratic process of approving these things. If, if this is a true emergency and we can – if these companies can prove that these rapid tests work, that's great. Open up a market to that. It would make things a lot cheaper. It would make uh, access a lot easier. And you know, if you're able to, to get access to all these tests right now, like the system that we're relying on, is you, can, you can go buy them at stores. Sometimes they're expensive. They're hard to find. I've gone to a couple stores. You know, trying to look for these tests, and I don't always see them. I've been able to order them online, right? But if you could do that, test to stay, you know, for school situations, for work situations. If that's what makes you feel better, if that's what makes employers feel better, if that's what you want to do to make yourselves stay safe, great. The barrier to that right now is the government. It, they, they have made it difficult for these things to emerge. They've made it difficult for a true market to emerge uh, with these tests because approval is taking a long time. And hopefully as more tests get approved, as things ramp up, you know, that will be one tool for some people to be able to use to make, you know, to to make informed decisions about what level of risk they want to take. Right. You know, and in terms of like someone making money off these tests, listen, I'll be honest, I'm a capitalist. I don't care. Like I, I do not feel bad or in any way, like feel gross about someone making money off of something, because if they are providing value to people and it's not coercive, great. That's awesome. I, I I love that. Like again, these these private companies who are like, hey, we have the um, the expertise, the the biotech expertise to, to to make these tests and to scale up their production. And this is a way for people to make more informed decisions about whether or not they're they're contagious. That's great. That provides value to society. Do I want the government subsidizing the heck out of them? No. I don't really want that. I don't think it's necessary in this situation. There's a ton of opportunity out there. If the government would, you know, allow these tests to to go out there and you could have some sort of seal of approval to say, you know, yes, this this actually works the way it, it's supposed to. Again, I, I'll take a radical position on this. I, I don't really think for the most part the FDA like is fully necessary. I think that they're they're for some things there should be. Uh, a way for government to be able to to weed out, you know, really serious fraud or damaging stuff, right? Or it could be handled through some of this stuff, you know, when there's not an immediate danger. It could be handled through a private consumer group, right? Like the, there, there are different ways that we can approach the problem of like testing, supplements, other things like that, um, where we can speed along the process. Honestly, like I, I don't know. After this pandemic, I, I don't totally understand why there is so much trust in the FDA or the CDC. And, and I didn't even picture myself saying that 
like in 2019 because those are one of those government agencies where I'm like, well, yeah, no, that kind of makes sense, right? Like we want to have the resources together to be able to address this stuff. It's one of those harder things to uh, to combat when, when you're libertarian, right? You want to be like, ah, yeah, no, I get, you know, let's keep the food and the drugs safe. Let's uh, combat disease. Cool, great. But in the way in which they have gotten or become roadblocks for us addressing the pandemic, just the, the glacial bureaucratic nonsense that's gotten in the way of everyday people, companies, local and state governments being able to address the problem makes me call into question, and I, and I hope it does for you too, the, the necessity of these agencies, or at least should warrant a massive call for reform for them. And I say that about the, you know, the CDC too, right? Like we, the, just the, their communication on this stuff has been so bad. You know, we can look at the the latest rule change where it's interesting. The progressives have kind of started to lose faith in the CDC over over this uh, coming out. The 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 change from a ten day quarantine to a five day quarantine plus five days of masking. The way they communicated why that is, like there there is some evidence behind it, but the way they communicated why that is was not very clear to a lot of folks. And so, you know, why it is is because well, most of the time, if you're asymptomatic, like if you're likely to be contagious and asymptomatic, uh, you won't be contagious after that five-day period. Some people might be a little bit longer. That's why they say wear the mask. But they didn't communicate that well. They also didn't add the caveat of, well, well maybe you should probably take a test anyway. You take one of those rapid, rapid tests, they'll tell you whether or not you're likely to spread it. If you're asymptomatic and you're, you're testing positive for that, then, well, you know, there's a chance that you could spread to other people, act accordingly, take that individual responsibility if there are people in your life who would be vulnerable to this disease or you know, take precautions like using PPE or telling others to use it around you. Again, we don't have to do the opposite of what government says. We don't have to obey the government completely, but we can take information that's available to us and make informed decisions and take personal responsibility on that. And I'll keep hitting that message home throughout this. Like we, we owe it to ourselves and to each other to not blindly believe or disobey the government. It's take the information, think for yourself, act accordingly uh, based on what your risk tolerance and the risk tolerance of others is around you. There's no reason we can't do that. So, again, I, I say all this stuff as, you know, as a parent, it's tough for me to, to trust that the New York State contract tracers are keeping my best interest in mind. Uh I don't trust them. I don't trust that they're doing it right. All right, thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Appreciate you all listening today. Give us a call. We're live until 1 p.m. Give us a call 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back in just a few minutes here on A Free Solution.
Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website. There hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us on A Free Solution. Again, we're live until 1 p.m. today. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Shout down the line to our friends listening over at WACK out in Newark. And, of course, our friends listening online, the Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, the, the, the Free Solution group. And the Kevin Wilson pages, wherever you're listening today, thank you so much uh, for listening. Appreciate it. Um, and you know, what, what one listener comment too for those of you listening on says, "Why do we get notifications so late in the broadcast?" Um, from Shelley, you know, with with YouTube, uh, there there is a way to get notified every time we go live. Uh, you know, see if I can post something on the page about that a little bit later. I don't want to take up too much radio time on that, but there is a way get notified every time this page goes live, and and you'll get a push notification. Same thing with Facebook; you can get a notification if you want to catch live shows. But again, we're always here live. Uh, you know, we're doing a live show twelve oh five to uh, one p.m. So make sure you listen in then. So let me get to a a, a comment from um, Gene. Who says there's nothing wrong with making money? The thing is that they are taking tons of tax dollars not subject to paying for adverse effects. They don't even have to release the data for 50 years as to what their vaccines do. Well, let, let's kind of take these, uh, you know, one at a time. So, uh, so one, the uh, taking tons of taxpayer dollars. Yeah, no, they 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 totally are. What, what's interesting is that there's uh, like different things about how like. Uh, the, the the few different vaccines that came out, you know, who took what taxpayer dollars when. Um, so I, I believe Moderna, I want to say, I hope I don't get these back, but I believe uh, Moderna did take taxpayer dollars. Pfizer did not uh, to develop the vaccines, um, it, at least in, in like the R&D side. They are making money off of the government placing contracts to buy uh, vaccines um, and – yeah, you know, I I don't super agree with that. They're, they're doing that deliver, you know, giving it so they can give it to people for free. That's what the government decided. Uh, I take the position that I think people would have gotten it anyway. I, I, me personally, I would have paid for the vaccine. You know, but to me, that it's worth it. Um, it probably would have been, you know, could have been thirty, fifty bucks, whatever. I, I would have done it. But uh, did they need to subsidize it? I don't really think so. They they felt the need to, to subsidize it for everyone. That would be simpler and get more people to go and get it. Yeah, don't. That's not really the company's fault. That's kind of the government's fault on that one. Uh, now, the not paying for adverse effects, right? So, so I know this comes up uh, occasionally when, when we talk with folks who are skeptical of vaccines. There, there is a, a system like the the 
the VAERS system uh, that's, that tracks adverse effects. Um, you know, these aren't necessarily verified. They're just reported. So some experts have to go in and, and like, figure out whether or not those reports are legit or not. You know, some might be, some definitely aren't. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and to clarify Gene's response, the vaccines are not free. They're being paid for by taxpayers. That That is correct. They are free for the end user in the sense that you don't have to pay something when you go and get one. They are not free in the sense that that end user, all of us, already paid for those through our taxes slash debt. Which is really debt. That's uh, it's we're, we haven't actually paid for anything yet. It's it's all just debt. Um, but the but the the adverse effects thing. So the the vaccine court uh, the vaccines. Um, you know adverse effects. There there's a special court system. Every vaccine has like a like a, a fee attached to it that pays for payouts for adverse effects, basically to reduce liability for making a product that drug manufacturers felt like they couldn't make a ton of profit on, especially if they were tied up in courts all the time. So that's that's what we have. We have a system where uh, the the companies themselves aren't liable for any alleged or actual damage done for a vaccine adverse effect. We have a court system that requires a lower burden of proof to get a payout. And again, they not the companies, but really us and the insurance companies pay for those fees attached to vaccines that then fund the court that then pay those payouts. If you can, they it, like basically they, it's not like beyond a reasonable doubt, but basically show some plausibility that that an injury was caused by a vaccine. So that's how it works. Again, pros to that is that it requires less proof. You're not going and battling like corporate lawyers and spending millions of dollars to uh, prove that you were injured against, you know, some of the, the best and most well-paid lawyers in the world of pharmaceutical companies. Bad news is that if there's something that goes wrong and people are being injured, you know, they're not directly accountable for that. You know, I, I could probably do a whole show on that one. I know some folks have strong feelings on it, but just, just uh, that's how it works, right? For those who are curious about that. That's how I understand that, that the vaccine court system works. So yeah, they're, they're sort of not liable, but sort of there's ways to, to get uh, compensation if you're injured uh, and you can sort of prove it, right? Um, and then the, the comment number three is not having to release data for 50 years about the vaccine. So so that's, that's a weird one, right? Now, I'll uh, post a link about the, the Reuters uh, like check of this, right? So So that's that is a real thing, right? So, so these uh, doctors and scientists try to request from the FDA some of the, uh, you know, uh, vaccine trial information related to this stuff, and they did a FOIA request, right? Technically, FOIA requests they're supposed to get back to you within twenty business days, uh, and the the FDA came back and they're like, "Nope, we can't do that. Uh, it's going to take fifty five years." to get all this data to you. And you're like, what, 55 years? How, how the heck is that? That's a ridiculous amount of time, right, to, to figure out, like, what happened in, in Pfizer trial. So, and, and their reasoning is, you can tell me if this, this smells like nonsense to you or not, but their reasoning behind it is, they say, well, we have to go through and make sure that there isn't any confidential patient information in there and that there isn't any uh, 
confidential information from Pfizer uh, related to product development, you know, in a way where they have actual protected information about product development, which, you know, I, I get, I understand, but they can hold this stuff up in court and they can challenge that and say, don't release this and don't release that because this is related to our proprietary, you know, drug development information. So they're going to haggle over that. And so they said, well, maybe we'll release this report. You know, it's, uh, you know, in parts, maybe we'll try to do like 500 pages at a time. We'll see, you know, how, how much of that ends up coming out and how quickly it ends up happening. But I guess it's, it's 329,000 pages. Um, they wanted to release like maybe 500 pages a month is what they proposed. And, and, you know, they, they, the FDA supposedly only has 10 employees, uh, processing a whole bunch of other requests. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, right? Like they, they, this is still kind of like going on, right? You know, like what, what public interest is there to, to be able to see this stuff. And I think there is a, at least in my opinion, there's a, a good public interest to want to see like this this data and open it up to scrutiny by by scientists, right? So why shouldn't we we get it a bit quicker? What trade offs are they willing to make in order for that to happen? Uh, we'll see. It's interesting, you know. It, it it does smell a little bit fishy to me. I, I get the reasoning, but it does smell a bit fishy to me. I'll, I'll post a link to the Rorius story, which seems pretty informative on this stuff uh so if you're listening online uh you can check it out there if you're listening on the radio just uh make sure you go like and follow our, our free solution facebook page and uh the youtube channel as well subscribe over there so you can uh see the links that i post during the show um and uh shelly says uh, we're not gonna know in our lifetime we still don't have the report on the murder of jfk i'm not holding my breath now supposedly they they are supposed to be releasing more of that now they've said that a bunch of times now, you know, we're going to start releasing more information on the on the JFK papers. We'll see what happens with that stuff. I, I don't know. You know, I these things can get tied up in courts for a ridiculous amount of time. And especially in this case where they're, they're trying to get like government intelligence stuff that's been classified for several decades now, uh, even trickier. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I, I'm a big believer in transparency again. I understand the need to protect patient information on the, the, the Pfizer stuff, right? You don't want to reveal any personal info, uh, but it should be like, you know, a blind study anyway. So I, I don't know why uh, there'd be too much patient information in there. But we should release this stuff. We should know. It should be open to scrutiny. And, you know, if it, if we can't uh, – if, if we can't scrutinize it, you know, that, that leads to folks making all sorts of uh, assumptions about what might be in there and makes you wonder if they're doing something nefarious. Rather have that open, open the scrutiny, open the to good faith scientists going in and saying, you know, here's what makes sense, here's what doesn't, here we made, here's where we made good calls, here's where we made bad calls, all the stuff to, uh, to that we'd want to do in in an open and free society. So hopefully the courts do the right thing here, make them accelerate that process, both on the JFK stuff and on the Pfizer stuff. That's my two cents on that. Again, we got one more segment left. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back in just a few minutes here on A Free Solution.
Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to a free solution. Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Appreciate y'all being here again. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or leave your comments online. Lots of great comments today. And, you know, I'm going to jump back to, to some comments that were left in segment two of the show that I totally spaced on and, and didn't get to from, from Gloria, who, who, you know, made a note that, you know, 344 FDA-approved drugs recalled in 2020. Uh, I mean, it sounds true-ish to me. I don't know if the, the exact number, but, like, the FDA recalls drugs all the time and and, and wrote a couple comments about how uh, Vioxx had been taken by millions of Americans and it ended up causing a lot of heart attacks and many deaths. Uh, there, There's investigations, payouts, billions of dollars in payouts for, um, you know, this, this drug, and, you know, you, you, you can see commercials for it. Uh, for a long time, I have no idea if they're still on. I don't watch normal TV all that much anymore, other than Bills games. Um, but yeah, you know that's I, this is something that I've talked about before. But but Larry talks about quite a bit too. It's that you know there there are many drugs that that still get through the the nonsense bureaucratic process of the FDA and still end up causing damage. Like they that government agency isn't the end all be all of like well now that it's gotten through it's perfectly safe. There are lots of stuff that's able to get through uh despite all the scrutiny so i, I kind of make that point to say well one there may be other better ways of understanding the the quality of of, of something that isn't necessarily just based on the fda um you know if you want to have the fda that's going to do this more rigorous process then like cool make it less of a you know coercive situation and then two you know you, you still have to take that individual responsibility and understanding and uh, of, of you know what what evidence is out there and how should you act on that evidence and then uh, three related to that is that that's why important that's why it's important for information to be open and as transparent as possible you know in in the study process uh, so that uh, you know doctors who are making these medical decisions trying to figure out the best thing for their patients uh, are able to to figure out like well. What are the trade-offs of this? Is it is it worth the risk? And again, that's something we do with with, with vaccines too. You know, I, I'm generally pro-vaccine. I think vaccines are awesome. I'm 
excited that there may be a universal flu vaccine, you know, coming out in the next few years based off of MR, mRNA technology. That sounds cool as heck to me. I don't want to have to get a flu shot that may or may not work every year. And this, you know, could be something that's better. Cool. I'm going to do that. You know, that's but that's me. That's my choice. You know, if you're not, then OK, that's your business. But, you know, with the, the vaccine stuff, with like, you know, people worried about the uh, the impact, uh, particularly on, on young men with with, you know, uh, heart inflammation. OK, yeah, that's that's something that people should you know study, understand the data about. And then you as individuals and medical providers can make decisions on whether or not those trade off that risk is right for you. If the risk of a blood clot or heart inflammation is very, very, very small and the risk of getting COVID is high and the risk of, you know, you getting ill and and having long term effects from that are high. Maybe that trade off is worth it, that that rare side effect, you know, happening. But again, that should be up to to you, the individual, something between you and your medical provider. And when government uh, gets in the way of this, even when they have the best of intentions, they don't always make the right decisions on our behalf. They don't know what my risk tolerance is. They don't know what my situation is. And going back to my first segment, if they don't take into account other medical evidence that contradicts the set of rules and circumstances that they outline, then, then that's a problem. It's a problem if, if government isn't willing to take all those other factors into account and not have some level of flexibility and common sense. Again, they want a set of rigid rules because they want you know folks to be able to apply those uniformly. I get that. But when it has an actual impact on our lives, when it prevents people from being able to go out and, and, and make a living and, and do so safely, that's important. And I'll just reiterate the point, too, that you know, I'm not a jerk. I don't want to you know put anyone else in a situation that's unsafe. I like the idea of being informed if me or my family is exposed to COVID, so I, I can make decisions based on that. Okay, now I know if uh, I start showing symptoms or, you know, or I may want to test myself before I go and go to work and risk spreading it there, or I send my son to daycare and risk him spreading it to, to other kids there and, and putting those kids' uh, lives in jeopardy because COVID does affect some kids Harshly, I, you know, and, and I'm not just COVID, too. You don't say the same thing about, like, sicknesses like RSV. You know, it's, yeah, I, I want to know, you know, if if that's going around my son's daycare because, you know, what level of risk do I want to put him at if, if he's going to be in that situation or if my son had that, you know, I don't want to put other kids at risk for something like RSV, which can put kids in the hospital, put my kid in the hospital. Making those informed decisions, not just for COVID, but around everything related to disease and the exposure to other people is a good thing. It becomes a bad thing when there's coercive elements attached to it, and it's not tied to common sense. It's not tied to medical reality. We kind of lose the thread here, and it becomes about showing virtue signaling for the sake of virtue signaling, compliance for the sake of compliance. There's, there's so many folks out there who unfortunately have gotten in the mindset of, well, you know, I'm going to do this because I'm doing my part. I'm going to fight it. And all you people who aren't obeying the government at every turn, you're, you're just you're willing to spread disease everywhere. And it, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, the situation is more complicated than that. Encourage people to think for themselves. Encourage people to have individual responsibility. Encourage people to look at the evidence, you know, at hand and, and make uh, good decisions for themselves and others. Uh, the government isn't always right. I know, shocking statement coming from a libertarian. The government isn't always right. But oh, come on, you, you progressives and 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 big government conservatives out there. Hope you can admit that too. A lot of progressives are seeing it right now with the CDC. They're questioning it. They're questioning that decision. Good. You know, I don't mind them questioning that decision. Good for them. They're thinking for themselves. They're saying, nope, this doesn't pass the smell test to me, and here's why. 
great. I mean, now the reasoning of like, well, the CDC made this decision because Delta bribed them is nonsense, but everything else, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, and I'm going to read Shelly's comment, too. Which is, she says, I was poisoned by Lipitor's developed for men and tested on men, but when they gave it to women, we got... Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce that word, but but uh, sounds like a, a a medical condition. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the other thing to look at, right? Like, and you gotta hope that your doctors are doing that too. And and things to ask your your doctors is what population was given this drug, you know, or whatever in testing, right? You know, because it, it becomes a thing, you know, uh, across you know men and women, right? If there's primarily tested on men and women weren't tested, and uh, or or you know the sample size was too small. That can become a problem because people's bodies are different. You try to do the best you can, right? You try to understand that, but it's it's I know it's it's an issue um, across some different ethnic groups sometimes who do have different medical reactions to different drugs at times. Now this isn't super common, but it can happen, right? If it's never been tested on, you know, uh, you know, people of African descent, and and there's a drug that's having a different impact on their bodies, then that's important to know, and that's important to talk to your doctor about. I don't know. Again, not a medical expert. Just try to, to to think through this stuff and think through how, like, we as you know, normies who are just trying to to navigate this world and live our lives can can ask genuine, legit questions without falling, you know, through a rabbit hole either. Again, I'm not saying that everything is is wrong with this, you know, any of this stuff. I'm I'm generally, you know, fine with trusting, you know, my set of doctors uh, and doctors from my family, but. You know, asking tough questions about, uh, you know, how things impact your life and and uh, how they can impact your body are, are important. And again, my my thought is mostly keep the government out of it. I don't I don't believe that most politicians have my best interests in mind, uh, especially when politics becomes a factor in public health decisions. And I think it's worth dialing back and questioning whether or not this is the best thing that we could be doing for safety at this point. Again, going back to contact tracing. I'm skeptical of it now. And and there's a lot of other parents, not not the folks on the extreme, on the extreme right or left who hate everything the public health stuff is doing or, or obey it obediently, but but yet your average person is like, why is this happening this way? Isn't there a better way to do this? Maybe these folks don't have an idea of the best way to approach this problem and they don't know my circumstances so who are they to control my life thanks again for joining us here on a free solution appreciate y'all sticking with me today on this show i will be back on wednesday larry sharp will be in tomorrow talk to you then have a great day folks